If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Time and it's feeling right. You're looking for a love that lasts. You'll find, find it at Romance in the Podcast. Ooh, ooh, baby, had me at hello. Ooh, I love you. I know. Ooh, ooh, baby, you're the wind beneath my wings. Ooh, ah, I'll have what she's having. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at Hello, I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, Mikey made us watch Remember Me. (laughs) So, Mikey, one question. Why? I want you guys to know that this is one of the most bonkers, weirdest films I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I saw it in theaters. Oh, God. Okay, Mikey, with who? With a bunch of my friends here when my friend was a manager at a movie theater, and it was just like five guys. It was like a, an employee it was an employee showing. <laughs> and then like, because it was like the one of the only movies we hadn't seen. And so we watched it, and, <laughs> and like we were able to talk during it and like react. And I was like, what? This movie... <laughs> I don't even know what to say. When the twist happens at the end, I stood up and I was like, oh, my God. I was I kept waiting for the twist. I thought it may have been after the credits because there fully is no twist in this movie at all. (laughs) It very much like 10 minutes in. Same, Todd. Same. Yeah, 10 minutes in. I looked over at Natalie and said the main character whose name is not important enough to remember is going to die in the World Trade Center terrorism attack. No, but here, that's the twist. Is yeah. like, you're like, there's a lot of foreshadowing that he's going to die on 9-11, but that, why would this movie do that? Why would anyone do that? That would be not a great choice for a that film. That would make this a bad movie. Why would they do that? <laughs> Fully right? committed to doing that. Like, <laughs> And then it happens, you're like, Oh my god, I guess they are going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. And then they just milk it. They milk yeah. it for like 10 minutes yeah. at the end of the movie where you're just like this is going to happen. This is going to happen. <laughs> I don't know why it's got to take 15 minutes. I lived through this. I remember where I was that day. This is kind of traumatic to watch somebody exploit this for a rom-com, I guess. <laughs> why are they taking so long to do it? It's literally the worst use of a real world disaster in film I've ever seen or heard of. I think I don't know. I did also see Pearl Harbor, but uh, like this is at least that was in the plot. It's true. It's true. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you could have moved this movie to 2004 and it would have been the same movie. Except the end. Well, no, I'm just saying it doesn't. <laughs> you don't need that. No! You, the whole like the whole character development doesn't need this at all. No. The what character development? Thank They're you. Right. What character development? This movie is also completely bonkers on like a, uh, uh, what's the movie where he walks all the way? Lucky One. It's not because Lucky One is fun. It is. How many of the characters resort to physical violence during their methods of communication? I mean, so many, but here, here's, okay, so I had never seen this movie before, although you, since people mentioned there was a twist, I immediately figured the twist out, but also then I remembered when this movie came out and people were legitimately offended at the twist. As you <laughs> should be. I was just be. like, oh man, you should be. I, I pulled a lot of reviews uh, at the end. For yes. facts. Um, I, I'm so excited about this. It's all, I, But so I had never seen this and I was hoping for the lucky one. That's what I was hoping me for. Me too, Paige. I'm going to tell you that this movie's not weird enough. No. Nope. This, this movie needs time travel and a night and walking <laughs> across 14 states because all it is is Robert Pattinson mumbling his way from room to room, <laughs> screaming about stuff that we're not sure why they're focusing on it plot-wise. Like, is this a, a, a romantic movie? Or is this a movie about a romance with an uncaring father? Like, what is this movie? <laughs> you mean Robert Pattinson, the executive producer of this film? I have notes on that. I have fun facts on why that happened. No! And it is even crazier than you think. No! <laughs> I wouldn't want my name attached to this movie in any capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you Alan Smithy as an actor? Because, like, holy shit. Yeah. Todd, this is two years after Twilight. So this was like... His first movie post-Twilight. He was just making all kinds of mistakes. I have fun facts about that, too, because this was actually, like, the development on this started before Twilight came out. Oh. I would not yes. be surprised if the development of this movie started before 9-11 happened, and they were just like... <laughs> Finally, a way to end it. I know, it just oh, took so long, God. and then they were like, oh, why don't we just have... The, the main character die at the end and then it's done <laughs> good because we didn't do anything else useful with him this entire time <laughs> i had to pick this movie because this is legit the worst romantic movie i've ever seen this is one of the worst movies i've seen like ever in life like yeah, ever. <laughs> yeah. but also i love bad movies Me too. i'm a connoisseur of bad movies yes. i will willingly watch the room any day oh hi mark Oh hi, Mark. Uh, I would watch. <laughs> I would watch Night Before Christmas forty times in a row. I'll watch the sequel when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, before I watch this shit again, because it's like not bad enough to be funny. Like it's not the room, but then it's so bad it's damn near unwatchable. <laughs> this movie is so bad, and it's like they make so many weird bad choices yes and it's like the most depressing movie ever no I, I don't know it could have been a very depressing movie i don't think it was i think that there are two movies in here one of them is a romance movie and one of them is about two people getting through grief yeah and we don't really get either movie we get like this mishmash of both of those movies yeah no you guys this movie is only about a young girl's struggle being bullied at school thank you <laughs> 
That's the only thing this movie's about. No, okay, that's- so then that's like in The Night Before Christmas where it's suddenly about that family that can't afford mittens. Like, the, the, <laughs> it's one of those where it's just like, and also have some of this from the bad movie buffet. You're right, Paige. I've not seen it since I saw it in theaters because that's how much I hated it. <laughs> and it was, you're, you're right, it hits a level of bad. Like, I'll watch Hallmark movies. I'll watch yeah, cheesy yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Mikey movies. I love the lucky one. This movie is bad and like every definition of the word of like repulsive would be a word to describe this movie. <laughs> and I think we may hear that word in the reviews that Paige has to read at the end of the episode. <laughs> There's some great reviews. It's so hard to make a good movie and it's so hard to make an awesomely bad, bad movie. And they just hit the easy section where you just make a movie that's really not worth watching on any level, but still manages to offend a large group of people. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's repulsive before they exploit 9-11. Yes! <laughs> yes! Well, okay, also, so here's what I will say. I think Todd is right. I think there are two different movies. Thank you. This movie doesn't know what the main story is. That's the problem. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. that should be the main story. This shouldn't be a romantic movie. This should be a story about him and his father coming to terms with the way that they have processed grief and how they view their place within the family unit. And it comes so close. And here's the thing. You don't need 9-11 at the end. Maybe he gets killed by subway muggers. I don't know. But like having them process the grief and either have a resolution where they understand each other or one of them dies at the end makes sense but that's a completely different movie than what we got i think that you could save this movie and still make it a romantic movie but it's about the main female character and the main male character dealing with the grief of her mom died his brother committed suicide they meet yeah they bond over that tragic loss and sort of fall in love as they sort of process through that grief together that relationship is definitely not going to work but it is a romantic movie at its core right that is not what yeah. we get here we just see a main character whose mom died at the very very beginning whose arc for whatever reason is just to ride the subway again like I feel yeah. like there's so yeah. much more you should have done with that well and <laughs> here the controversial statement I am about to ruffle feathers oh Oh, I thought you were saying that my thing about the subway was a controversial statement. No, that is accurate. Yeah. A movie that does what you described first, where there are two people dealing with grief and then through that fix their other relationships because it gives them a new perspective. Yeah. A movie that does that better, A Walk to Remember. Because I don't know if you remember A Walk to Remember. It has been a while, which we should watch it for this movie. Yes, we should. podcast. She has cancer. He falls in love with her anyway. And so he's kind of dealing with considering both her mortality and his own. And it makes him reconnect with his own father because he believes the relationship is worth something. And like there's this whole scene where they end up like hugging and crying. That makes me just like sob every time (laughs) and this movie doesn't have that (laughs) like this movie needs that desperately this movie hints that that's what's going to happen and then he dies in (laughs) 9-11 with the great secretary that we've all grown to love (laughs) oh yeah that they kill for literally no reason as he's walking in he's like hey is she here and he's they're like no she's getting coffee and I was like oh thank god that woman who we see three times is not going to die she makes it back in time No, she comes back in just to die. I think that was because they knew the audience doesn't like the main character. They're like, we got to bring her back. I think you're absolutely right. (laughs) 
I, I just wanted to show you the worst romantic movie I've ever seen. Well, mission accomplished. Guys, let's just get into this fucking movie. Let's do it. We start in a train station where it's a mother and daughter, and we get a title card that says Brooklyn 1991. Not just the mother. Martha Plimpton. Yes. I was so mad she died because I love her. But you know she's going to die. Like, immediately you know she's going to oh, die. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately. Even though, because like they, they're waiting for a train. It's late at night. There's shifty characters on the platform. Even before you see the shifty characters, you're like, oh, she's going to die. Yeah. yeah. But here's the other thing. They are the loudest muggers with the most witnesses. <laughs> they are terrible at mugging. And then they just shoot her. And I don't understand why. Because, like, they mugged her. They were going <laughs> to get away with it. Paige. And then they shoot her. And I'm just like, they're immediately Paige. going to jail. There's a train full of witnesses. Paige. And her daughter was there. And <laughs> cameras existed in 1991. What the fuck Paige, is happening? It's even worse. I thought I thought they were gonna use just the train going by. I thought that train was not gonna stop. You know, some trains are like express yeah, trains yeah, and yeah. they don't stop. And I was like, oh, that sort of makes sense because then the people on the other side of the platform can't see what's happening, and the people who right, are on right, the train right. are just simply going too fast to be able to give like a positive ID. I get it. That makes sense. No, they rob her. They then get on the train with other people who can <laughs> definitely identify them. The doors close, and then for no reason the doors open again and he's just like oh that's right i gotta shoot this lady yes and so he shoots her and then gets back on the train back on the train the entire thing what and there are people on that train it's not an empty train there are people on the train who are at the windows like oh shit he just killed that lady and yeah. unless he's gonna kill a whole other train car full of people he's fucked no no pay he just sat down calmly and then rode to his next stop <laughs> well, this movie had to establish quickly that from muggers to main characters, no one is going to make logical decisions. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. That is true. We cut to a detective walking up the stairs to the platform. Every angry dad from this time period of movies, yes. Yeah. From October Sky to this one. Oh, you mean Academy Award winner. I forgot his name. <laughs> He's an Academy Award winner? Yeah, he won for uh, Adaptation. Oh, okay. He bends down to pick up the ring, which they ask for her ring, which looks like it's out of a vending machine, by the way. Like, it's liter it's a gold band with, like, etching on it that I'm just like, oh, did she pay a quarter for this wedding ring? Great. I mean, had uh, they given any story to that ring and given it any emotional weight later, I'd have been like, oh, that's actually sort of sweet. But we never see it again. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, I just thought it was a random ring he found on the platform that didn't even belong to hers because hers was mugged. No, no, it's, it's hers. It fell off in the mugging i think they're trying to imply that she wouldn't give them the ring and that's why they shot her that's not what happened at all but exactly we didn't see that um but then we also reveal that the detective is the dad yeah. of the girl yeah guess what you would not be allowed to investigate your own wife's murder no mikey i'm pretty sure if like your wife dies as a cop you get called by dispatch and be like hey there's a murder you gotta investigate <laughs> wait till they find <laughs> yeah, out who yeah, it is yeah. hold on we're gonna pull back the cloth in just a second <laughs> that new chief mikey he keeps putting people on their own personal crimes as it'll emotionally motivate them to solve them i'm captain mikey i run the personal crimes division <laughs> <laughs> personal Law and Order Personal Crimes Division. Hey, uh, uh, Patrolman uh, Page, uh, your car was stolen. You have to go find it yourself. Yeah. Uh, 829er, did they have all my CDs? That's really all I care about in that Toyota Corolla. Um, <laughs> they broke them in half and threw them out the window. 
God damn it, I had Sade. Anyways. (laughs) Sade. So we cut to 10 years later in a confusingly laid out apartment. And this is when I knew that Robert Pattinson was going to die in the World Trade Center terrorism attack. When it said 10 years later? Yeah. Because I can count 91 plus 10 is 2001. We're in New York and right behind the subway station were the Twin Towers. So I was like, oh, that's a little Twin Tower shadowing. And then it immediately jumps to 10 years later. And I was like, oh, Robert Pattinson, who was the main character, will die in that event. You knew there was a twist. I went into this movie blind, like completely blind. I will argue there is no twist in this movie. They foreshadow the hell out of it. They do because I figured it out. Not in, in this scene, but literally two scenes later is when I figured it out. But that's the thing. The whole time you're like, no. Like, just no that why would they do that that would be very bad the twist is just they had the balls to do it <laughs> that's what, yeah so it's a small apartment and as we kind of track through which this is like the apartment of a hoarder yeah like this apartment is deadly <laughs> um but it looks like we see someone else's arm as he's kind of like as the camera winds through but we haven't met his roommate yet right so for a hot minute i was like is he living in a crack house <laughs> because because uh, like it's just panning through this dirty weird looking apartment and then there's just like an arm and he's like smoking on the fire escape looking all gaunt and i'm just like is this a drug movie no he's just going to a a celebration for his brother's death he'll be there in 15 minutes yeah so <laughs> he arrives at the cemetery he greets his mom and stepdad and then his sister And I'm guessing his real dad at this point because no one is introduced in this movie ever. Right. But yeah, it is. We we come to find out that Pierce Brosnan is his real father. Right. And and I would say Pierce Brosnan is the best actor in this movie. He does the best job in a movie that is fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. I will say that he does have the best 9-11 reaction shot. Yeah, where he's just smiling. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> That's the worst part is when they cut to each actor looking up. Sorry, we'll get there. Yep. Anyway, they're in some sort of weird, like, soda fountain diner situation. Well, yeah, it, it is like a like street corner diner, I guess. Well, if you they pull back on it and they've got like an old timey soda fountain and candy and ice cream. Oh, okay. So it's legit like a 1950s throwback diner. Okay. Yes. Which, I mean, they're everywhere, so that's not Yeah, they exist, yeah. So the little girl's talking about her art nonsense, which she drove me nuts because she cannot start a line on time to save her damn life. And it, every every time she speaks, it's like the movie is in slow motion and it drives me, and I'm just like, spit it out. And they're trying to make this some sort of like, oh, she has anxiety and she's nervous. And I'm like, maybe it's because it takes her two hours to say one sentence. (laughs) Maybe that's why the other girls think she's weird. She is, but that's okay. (laughs) Being weird is fine. Just talk. Paige is on the record saying this girl should have been bullied. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a (laughs) a hot take. No, I'm not not saying that she's actively bullying a child actress. (laughs) I'm not. Okay, well, I'm not saying she should have been bullied. I'm saying someone on set should have taken her aside and been like, hey, I, I don't know if this is like an actor's choice that you're doing, but we need you to speak a little bit more decisively because this movie is two hours for no reason. Oh, you mean like the director? 
director should have directed. Yes. I mean, that's their one job. Like, everyone thinks the director is like, oh, I'm the guy behind the camera making it work. That is not true. That's the director of photography. Yeah, it's the cinematographer or the director of photography. Like, the director is the guy who gets the performances. So that is 100% the director's fault and not that little girl's fault, who looks a lot like my oldest sister looked when she was that age. So that was weirding me out a little bit. Hmm. But yeah, so Pierce Brosnan's over it and just straight up interrupts her. I think he's like, well, she was going to take 14 years to say that. So I I don't even think Pierce Brosnan knew they were filming at that moment. (laughs) He was just like, give me the fucking sugar. (laughs) Every part of this movie is terrible. At the end, he like after Robert Patterson storms out, he gets the sugar and pours it into something. It's Pattinson, but sure. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> He's going to be a great Batman. I just want this character to be Batman. Like, oh, I survived 9-11. No. <laughs> Mikey, this character is Batman. Aside from his parents being alive, he is like this rich douchebag who was on some sort of slumming at Rumspringa. Like, there's yeah. nothing likable about his character in this movie. A slum Slumspringer. A Slumspringer? Yeah. A Slumspringer. Yeah, absolutely. He's nice to his sister. He is. He's very nice to his sister, yes. But that's it. I do like that he, like Mikey, is not against really physically, like, intimidating (laughs) children. I had that typed in my notes. I did not even remember that scene in the movie. I was like, oh, God, this is definitely coming up. I literally, in that scene, looked at Natalie pointed my hand towards the TV and said, that's why Mikey wanted to watch this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So Robert Pattinson is just like, stop interrupting her. Fuck y'all. And gets up and leaves and rides the train to a different diner where I was just like, so this is what's on your list of things to do today. Diner after diner after diner. Yeah, he's a rich, spoiled kid who is on Schlumspringa. Yeah, he's on Schlumspringa. He has nowhere to go, nothing to do. Well, I mean, we do find out at one point that he's got a job, question mark, but he never goes to it. And and so it's real. Does he? I thought he didn't have a job. No, he's got a job. He works at a bookstore. He just never goes. So in the diner, he's scribbling in a notebook. He has like the writing of a child, which is upsetting. Hey, as someone with shitty handwriting, I take offense to that. Yeah. Okay, Paige. but here, here's there. There's bad handwriting, and then if you look at the notebook as it like pans over, he's got like four words written <laughs> on the page, and it's like a regular size notebook, but it's like he wrote them in crayon, just like <laughs> Michael. I, I miss you. <laughs> Look, I too have serial killer esque handwriting. You could have gone doctor. Doctors also famously have bad handwriting, but you went serial killer. It's very bad. Like it almost looks like I have taped other people's writings, like the different words together. It doesn't matter. I type things that are important now, and that's yeah. or I send <laughs> yeah, them via yeah. email. That's typing, Mikey, or like on your phone, like a text. That's still. Typing, typing. Mikey. <laughs> I don't write things. Because like like in relationships when I've written sweet notes and stuff, because the handwriting is so crazy, they just come off of like, I'm going to murder you after you get off work. <laughs> I really do feel like that's... I, I think that's got to be some of the content too, where you're just like, yeah. last night was wonderful. I can't wait to eat your liver with fava beans <laughs> later tonight. Like, what are you writing to people? Enjoy the tulips. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening when I cried about my mom. What? Where were we? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so he's in the diner and he's writing. 
and we're kind of hearing his voiceover of what he's writing. And he's writing to Michael, who was mentioned in the scene before. Yeah. And they haven't told us explicitly what happened, but Michael is dead. We know that. We don't really know who he was to any of these people because this movie <laughs> is bad at establishing relationships. But we also know that something happened at 22 because what he's writing to Michael is basically what a bunch of famous people had accomplished at 22. Yes. But we don't have any context for that yet. Okay, I thought it was Robert, the main character, turning 22, and he was like, I have accomplished nothing. He is, but also his brother died at 22. So did he. Yep. Oh, that's terrible. It should have been 27. No. No, 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 it should have been, because, like, there's an established, like, artsy people dying at 27. I know, but I had this whole theory on how Michael actually died, and they're just not willing to talk about it. Because Michael would have been 28... <laughs> which means he's six years older than Robert is in this movie. And six years before September 11th was the Oklahoma City bombing. So, in Oh, my, my God, mind, you're right. In my and they mind, give the date of the day that he died, but it's not. It's, it's not, not. It was the, like in it's May. It's not yeah. the same day. It was, and but Oklahoma it could have been. I know. So that's could've could've been. I know. Thank you, Paige. Anyway, so that's in my mind. That's how his brother really died. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, that's my personal theory. <laughs> that's a great theory, <laughs> and you. I'm sticking to it. Cause... I thought you were going autoerotic asphyxiation, so I'm, I'm okay with this theory. <laughs> no, I'm not going in excess on this theory. <laughs> so we cut to him and his roommate, and his roommate is pitching an invention called the Single Ladies Universal Tote, or SLUT for short. Yeah. For ladies who are having a romantic interlude, and it has like a toothbrush and whatever. He reveals that he sold a toothbrush to the girl that Robert Pattinson left in his apartment, which, by the way, we didn't see a girl in that apartment. But yeah, that's what I was confused about. Is this a different day? When is this? This movie is bad. Yes. So last night I texted you. I don't know if I could finish this movie because this roommate makes me want to gargle bleach and razor blades. <laughs> yeah. Because I hated him so much. Through the entire movie, every time he spoke, I got angry. I didn't dislike him in this movie, but every time I saw him, I thought I wanted Jeremy Piven in Serendipity, and I was just disappointed that we had this guy. But I think it's mainly because he's poorly written. I mean, the, the first yeah. time you really meet him, he's like slut-shaming someone that spent the night with Robert Pattinson. So, like, I, I'm not on board for this guy immediately. Got a stupid goatee, and I hate it. Oh, please never look at pictures of me from this time period. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, is an, it is a period-accurate goatee. Yes. But what I will say is, I think you're right. I think he's kind of a tweener where we need him to either be Zach Galifianakis levels of weird, but also earnest. Yeah. Like from The Hangover, or we need him to, and I don't know if you've seen this one, but Girl Next Door, his friend Eli. We need one oh, of the yeah, two. Like over the top douchey. Like over the top douchey. <laughs> like so douchey you can't even believe it's an actual human. But instead we have this in between so that we can't like love to hate him and we can't just love him. So we just, he just bothers us the whole movie. So he's pitching this slut shaming invention, which is just a duffel bag. This is where we reveal that they are in college because he goes into a college class where we hear the, what we will find out later is his love interest answering a question. But also the lecture is on the proliferation of recent terrorist events. Yep. And this is when I was like, 
oh, he's going to die in 9-11. Yep. He is going to fucking die in 9-11. Cause I like, I also did the math and then was like recent terror events. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. So 9-11 hasn't happened yet, but the bombings at the world trainer trade center have Oklahoma city has. So there is like, there is a proliferation of domestic terrorism at this point. And I was like, oh, I know how this movie is going to end. Yep. And they think it's a twist, but it's, it's just bad. It's just offensive. <laughs> it's just bad. Yeah. I still just don't even see. Like, I have no idea. Like, I have. Okay, this is the second time I've seen this film. I have no idea what they were trying to say or what they were trying to do. No idea. It did come out almost on the 10 year anniversary of 9-11, by the way. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in box office. Uh, <laughs> phrasing, but this movie bombed. <laughs> Guys, not to piss you off, but no, it didn't. What? We'll, no. We'll talk about oh. it. <laughs> I love the only correct response to that is disgust. And you guys both <laughs> delivered. And I thank you so much for that. Well, and here's the thing. I know. I know why it did well. And it still Twilight, bothers me. Yeah, Twilight. it is Twilight. Yep. <laughs> Fucking Twilight. So he goes to visit his sister. He goes to pick her up at school, which we kind of establish is like their relationship. Yeah, their relationship is he picks her up from school every day. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. He's he's a good older brother, and he's the type of older brother I think we see in every movie with divorced parents, where they're kind of a little extra involved in the siblings' lives because they don't necessarily get the full attention of their parents. Ah, uh, yes. It's me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but this and this is after we saw Pierce Brosnan like straight up shut this girl down at the uh, candy fountain. Yeah. At first, I thought that his younger sister was actually not Pierce Brosnan's daughter in that. scene. I thought that, too, because he treats her like shit. Yeah, because he's terrible to her. And the mom's remarried, you know, so you're like, yeah. oh, maybe it's just the new husband and the mom's daughter. So his half sister, which, you know, I'd be on board for him just being a great brother yeah. to the half sister, too. Like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. But no, Pierce Brosnan's just a terrible no, father. Pierce Brosnan's just her dad. And unlike Paige, I thought this girl was uh, pretty cute. Like, I, I thought all of her lines and stuff were cute. I, well, and I don't know if it's just residual annoyance for the entire rest of the movie, but I more than once while watching her scenes just yelled at my computer, get on with it. But there's no reason because here's the thing. She's a weird art kid, whether or not she talks slow or not. Like, you know, we establish that she kind of spaces out and all the other things that she describes. I'm like it me as an 11 year old. Oh, oh, you're spacing out and drawing in the middle of class but still getting A's? Yeah, that's Paige. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so this is where she basically is like, does dad not like me? <laughs> Which is a horrifying thing for an 11-year-old to ask. But he doesn't give her a full no. <laughs> he's just no, like... No, he said he loves you. I think. Yeah, love yeah. and like are two different things though, Mikey. That's <laughs> I, the truth. <laughs> I love you. I just don't like you. This is also where she's asking him questions about like drinking and she brings up the Michael used to drink and he says, well, yeah, because he was, you know, 21 and 22 and it's new and exciting and everyone does it. Not everybody. Not everybody. And then then we don't do anything with this scene. We just cut away from it. It is, it is meaningless within the scope of this movie. It could completely be removed. I do like that they're on the um, Alice in the Wonderland statue in Central Park, though. That's like where they yes, go to play. I thought that was cool. cute. Yeah. But I mean, you're right. When this scene ended, I was like, oh, oh, OK. Did we learn something new in this? No. Well, I mean, we learned 
No. <laughs> I mean, you know, we figured it all out from the coffee scene. <laughs> yeah, except for that we also don't know if Pierce Brosnan likes his daughter. So the yeah. characters in the movie also share our confusion. Fantastic. Michael, you requested that we live text you our reactions to the so movie. It's just so bad. And I did. And one of the things I sent was, this movie's two hours long and the first 35 minutes could just fucking go. And that's a completely accurate because literally... Nothing important to the story has happened yet. And if you're thinking right now, but no, the lady's mom died, that really doesn't ever come up again in an impactful way. It never factors into the story. In fact, yeah. you don't even need to see it because she could have just told you about it Phoebe Kate style and we would have been fine <laughs> and we didn't need to see it. it like all she needed to do was be like dad is overprotective because my mom was killed in a subway mugging and that's why I don't ride the subway because I was with her there you go two seconds that's we didn't need a 10 minute scene of the worst hidden mugging ever <laughs> like yeah. no, this the, is the best part is the only time she talks about it is when they have dinner with his dad and then so crazy we, we'll get to that <laughs> we'll scene get to that i have scene. so yeah, many yeah. notes <sighs> so we cut to what i initially thought was the library but it turns out that this is the bookstore where he works so this is him at work where his roommate is like tagging along while he's working like there's no reason for him to be there but he is I honestly got the impression that he was just there to invite him to go out with him that night. I think so. And well, and, and he's basically just restocking books, which he's also like, these are stocked by like people who had serial killers who fell in love with like, it's a ridiculous category that I'm like, that's not a category. That's not a Dewey Decimal System. Like it's also six feet off the ground. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to get those? But his roommate is basically just like, hey, you've been you're sad and mopey and we need to like go out and hang out and he's like no and so his roommate pushes him off a ladder and he gets mad about it and he's like what the fuck is wrong with you i was like you just pushed him off a ladder that's what's fucking wrong with you but then the the friend reacts like he's also mad like why are you mad like what you pushed uh, him. all you've doing has been sad about your the anniversary of your brother's suicide i need you to come out and drink with me Here's the other thing, too. At this point in the movie, we have not established how long it has been since Michael has died. So for all we know, six months, a year, two years, a, a, a period of time in which it is completely understandable to still be upset and affected by a close family member uh, dying by suicide. Like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you so callous to because this person the who's worst. having a tough time? Because he's the worst. Yeah. And then we find out later that it's been like eight years. And it's like, okay, maybe life should have gone on at this but point. But you could still be sad on the anniversary. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I think part of it is he's turning the age that his brother was when he passed. Right. And that's affecting him. Yeah. And here's the thing. His roommate knows that. <laughs> and is still just like, come to Atlantic City. Fuck bitches. What the fuck? This movie has one joke. It's in this scene. And he's like, come on, just one drink. And he says, when's the last time you had one drink? And he says, communion. That is kind of a funny joke. Yeah, I thought it was, was funny. funny. I also really wanted him to say, I only want you to have one drink. I'm going to have many drinks. Yes. <laughs> 
I'm going to have one here and then one at this bar. I'm going to take so many communions. <laughs> <laughs> have you never heard of a communion crawl? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> my mouth is so dry from the wafers. <laughs> Easter's have the most lit communion crawls, dog. Uh-huh. But also Christmas as well because you, you can hit up the midnight service. Oh, yeah. You get communion crawls both midday and midnight, <laughs> ladies. They've got gingerbread wafers for Christmas. <laughs> anyway, we cut to a crowded, loud bar where the bartender is not into that roommate as he thought she would be. And I have some notes on her later. Remember that bartender. Okay. Because they are so incredibly important. You will not believe that it is who it is. Oh, what? Did, he, did okay. either of you recognize that bartender? No. no. Okay, cool. Then I'm just going to save it for the very fucking end. <laughs> The roommate is the most obnoxious person in any bar on earth. He's just like shouting and shots. They meet two girls from Miami. They go outside. And in my notes, I just have there's an Irish slash Staten Island rumble. Yeah. But <laughs> which is essentially what happens. Uh, but what I think actually happens. I am. I'm an expert on what happens in the scene. I've paid close attention. OK, thank you. The Irishman. Yes. We're taking their instruments out of the bar and they almost they walk in front of this car. The car almost hits them and honks their horn. And the people in the car get out and proceed to beat the Irishman up with like billy clubs. Yeah, I don't know why. They got out of their cars like 1930s police officers with billy clubs and just beat the Irishman. I mean, if you've met people from Staten Island, uh, <laughs> where it does imply that they are from. Uh, but I just have in my notes. What information am I supposed to be retaining from this movie? <laughs> I mean, this only sets up that Robert does not know how to control his emotions about his brother. Yeah. So he wants to get in a fight. Like, he jumps into this fight, yeah. not trying to break it up, trying to hit something, right? Yeah, and hit everyone. Yeah. To hit, to feel alive, like, yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> so... The detective shows up and it's the same detective from the beginning of the movie, which is the first time that we have connected that murder in the beginning of the movie to the rest of the movie that we're watching. And right. by the way, it's almost 30 minutes into the movie. Welcome to the movie, everyone. We had a scene that we have no context for until 30 minutes into the movie. And remember, movie. you were sympathetic to this detective. Get ready to not to be. Yeah. I grappled with this detective a lot because the movie <laughs> writes two different characters where it's like sometimes when you see him he's one thing and sometimes when you see him he's another thing yeah like one time when you see him he gives his daughter like cab fare and like fully supports yes. her decision to go out and then literally the next time you see them in that same room he backhands the <laughs> shit out of her and then yeah. stalks her for the rest of the movie yeah hold on Hold on, we'll because right there. here, here comes two instances of police brutality right now. Yeah. Yes. And the third is on the main female character's face later. Yes. <laughs> and Robert Patterson later on. This guy beats people up like six times in the movie. I yeah. know, but then they also want us to believe that he and his daughter have this great relationship. That's what boggles my mind, is that yeah. they have that, but then also... This man is clearly violent and dangerous. Anyway, so the detective shows up. He's going to let Robert Pattinson and his roommate go. And then Robert Pattinson flips out for no reason because he's going to also take the Irishman to jail because they were part of the fray. Yeah. 
But because he mouths off and gets all weird, the detective smashes him onto a windshield. <laughs> and a sidewalk. I mean, he does reach out and grab the policeman's arm. I do think this is a huge overreaction, but also yes. don't reach for like close to where the policeman's gun is. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. There's no good people in this movie. No. <laughs> because it's, it, they tried to make the detective still sympathetic, being like, oh, he wasn't involved. He was trying to help. Cut him loose. He's good to go. And then he has to beat that same man up. Yeah. So we cut to them in jail. His roommate is complaining. And every time his roommate talks, it's like a random roundabout monologue to get to what he needs to say. No one in this movie just says what they need to say. And it drives me fucking bonkers. (laughs) The economy of, of words in this movie is so out of whack. The only person that has any sort of reasonable economy of words in this movie is Pierce Brosnan, where he never says a sentence that's more than like five words long and (laughs) gives the best performance. As opposed to Robert Pattinson, who reads half a novel every time he speaks and none of it is worth retaining. I hate this movie so much. (laughs) Anyway, so we find out that the roommate called Pierce Brosnan and got them both bailed out. Yes. We cut to the detective's house where the girl in class that we saw before is his daughter. We find out and she's making him breakfast. He's going to drive her to school. We cut to... Robert Pattinson at his dad's office. And I have in my notes here, we're almost half an hour into this movie and all he's done is smoke and wine. (laughs) This is the other joke in this movie of it's a bowl. It completes the room where he's smoking in the lobby and puts it out in like a decorative bowl, which is clearly a decorative bowl. Like it is obviously not an ashtray. Yeah, but you should have put something in the bowl like potpourri or those stones. Even so, it's not an ashtray. (laughs) Yeah, his dad is the first named partner in this big, impressive law firm inside the World Trade Center. Yeah. He is a rich, spoiled douche and does not care about rules or fitting in with normal society. Yeah. He's a horrible protagonist. Yeah, he's a horrible protagonist because he's A, on Slumspringa, but also (laughs) he's whining about his own selfish desires with no thought to the world at large. Ever. Right. Anything he does, any action he does is purely motivated by how he's feeling in that one moment. It is the most selfish character I think we've seen in a long time. Uh huh. And this is why, like, throughout the rest of the movie, sometimes he'll just walk into rooms and scream at people because that's what he feels in the moment instead of, like, measuring that feeling of, like, we should have a conversation about this or, like, I shouldn't throw a fire extinguisher at a child. Like, (laughs) you know, these are (laughs) these are things we should think about. He does not think about the outside world at all until it literally comes crashing into him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. sorry. (laughs) Too soon. Never forget. Uh, (laughs) Oh man. I feel bad Uh, for everyone else that died that day. Yeah. uh, One of the reviews I have mentions that. (laughs) Oh, oh my god. god. Oh my god. I cannot wait for <laughs> I pulled some amazing reviews. Anyway, this is the first place we meet Janine, who is his dad's assistant. Yeah. And uh we find out that he's there just to see what it cost for that lawyer so he could pay pay him back. And he says that lawyer costs $450 an hour. And then he's like, Well, I didn't call you. I didn't want to be bailed out of anything. I'll just get an invoice from Janine. And at this point, after these scenes, 
We're a fourth of the way through the movie and nothing has really happened. Yep. Except that he got beat up. But we have no story. Right. We have no <laughs> arc. We just have a collection of scenes and we don't know how they connect to each other. They never really connect to each other. This movie is terrible. So we cut to he goes to pick his sister up from school and she's being bullied and he kind of rescues her. And he gives her a book of Greek mythology, which like, I don't know why that's the thing we're going to focus on. Well, and also it doesn't really come back except you see him reading it to her later. But like nothing comes back, really. I feel like that's just the writer. Like what I'm doing right now is I'm writing a Greek tragedy. So uh, I want I want to force that into this movie. And it's not. Yeah. So it just oh, does not. Totally right. It just does not work. Yeah. It it doesn't work. And in my notes, I just have this is full blown catcher in the rye and we're doing myths instead. <laughs> because literally that this, he is basically holding in catcher in the rye just kind of like a spoiled rich kid on slum springer and no completely not self-aware to that's what they're doing anyway so we establish that they're meeting their mom at the guggenheim and while they're walking there uh, she basically talks about how the girls at school think she's weird and she spaces out and in my in my notes i just say I think his sister may have ADD as someone who spaced out a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I identified that a lot when I heard that. Same. But you know what? I start my sentences before people die. Uh, <laughs> so we cut to his roommate again and they're in their apartment looking out the window onto the street. And in, the, in my notes, I just say, do they think the roommate is the comic relief? Because he makes my head hurt. They do think he's the comic relief. I would disagree i do too yeah hard pass oddly enough this was something that bothered me about what if as well where it's this quote-unquote clever dialogue it's dialogue about nothing that is there mainly just to be perceived as good dialogue but good dialogue is intentional and none of this is right good dialogue promotes causality none of this does that it's just People talking in circles about stuff we don't care about to try and find a joke in it. And it's the worst. And I hate it so much. But so <laughs> they look out onto the street and this is where they see the cop from the night before and his daughter. And this is where he brings up the idea to date the cop's daughter as revenge. Yep. And I was like, is this what we're doing for the movie? Like, what is what? Why is this suddenly she the worst version of she's all that? Like I'd watch she's yes, all that fifty that, more yeah. times instead. <laughs> but yes, Paige, that's exactly what we're doing. Yep. Which that thought process even is abandoned almost immediately after he meets her. Because yeah. <laughs> they go and try to meet her, and she kind of you know gives him the cold shoulder a little bit. But although, can I just say this before we talk about their meet cute, if that's what it is? Oh, I did something very similar my senior year of high school to pass Algebra 2. Or not my senior year, sorry, junior year. You dated the teacher's daughter? Well, I threatened to. <laughs> and then my teacher said that if I stopped talking to her, he would make it so I passed his class. That's hilarious. I had an English teacher tell me I didn't have a soul. <laughs> Good Lord. What? Uh, I didn't realize your mom taught school. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know, teachers, that's a hard job. I think I would mouth off to a couple kids, too. <laughs> You'd be the one throwing the fire extinguisher through the window. <laughs> no bullying! <laughs> anyway, so he tries to ask her out, and at one point she says that she's 19, and he says, I can do teens. And I'm like, no. Don't say it like that. No. 
he does this weird thing of like, there's a survey, but I'm out of foam fingers. And it's his it lines makes are the no worst. sense. And I just have in my notes in all caps, can one person in this movie have a line that's not a run on sentence? Like that's <laughs> all I want. And somehow she agrees to go out with him after she's like, you just vomited word soup at me, but I'm into it. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my fetish. That's that's kind of my king. Like a baby bird, I will eat up those th thrown up words. <laughs> a baby word bird. You talk <laughs> like you are made of those poetry fridge magnets, and I <laughs> dig it. <laughs> my dad beats me. Please help. Please help. <laughs> I I'm literally looking to jump into anything that like, gets me out of my home life situation. But here's the thing: all we've seen of her home life situation is great. Yeah. So far? Well, what I didn't see coming at the end was when you find out that the dad paid the muggers to murder his wife. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be a totally different movie. And I'm totally here for it. Because then he just, like, it's this is his transformation into evil. And he's like, this is what I've always been. Uh. And then Robert Pattinson is Batman because the mug wait. No, I was going to say the muggers also she killed his Batman. parents. She becomes Batman. Well, she becomes Batman because he was going to, but then he died because in 9-11. Because he died in 9-11, so now she's Batman. Anyway, we cut to her house, and she's just chilling because she's totally forgotten that she agreed to go out with him. And he calls her, and it's, it's, a, it's whiny. In a way that I hate so much. And, and I literally just, in my notes, I just have, is every man in this movie Woody Allen except for Pierce Brosnan? Because that's how they've written everybody. Yep. And I hate it. Would you be surprised to learn that this was the director's last feature film? No. No, because I looked up all of his stuff. He just went to TV. He never, he never did a movie. N well, that's not the weirdest thing about him. So we'll get to it in fun <laughs> Yes. Anyway, they go to an Indian restaurant where she orders dessert first. And her rationale is, I don't see the point in waiting. You could die at any time. And... I just write, this is a weird way for PTSD to manifest, but okay. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, good for you. And I'm here for dessert, so let's do it. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> this also made me think, I was like, so does that mean she's just going to, like, fuck on the first date because you could die at any time? And that's what he was thinking, but no. No. <laughs> so they go to a carnival to win a giant panda. He's overly competitive and has anger issues and eventually just buys the panda. Which I think we missed the fun part of that scene, which is him like failing, 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 which we do get. Yeah. But then him like, fuck it. How much does it cost for a panda? Can I just yeah. buy a panda? Like, I yeah. wanted that part of it. We call these uh, red flags. Tom. No, no, no. Yes, you're right. Huge red flag that he starts throwing the basketballs to try and break stuff. She is attracted to a pattern of violence that she has seen at home. And that's a very <laughs> upsetting, that's what yes. I was that's a very get upsetting thing that I'm realizing right now in this yeah. moment. I was going to get there, but I'm so glad you did. Ooh, that Be makes the of rest patterns, of this movie people. upsetting. That's dark. I mean, it already is. Yeah. Anyway, in my notes, I just have needs more piggyback rides. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Somehow this guy is more brooding than Edward. Yes. <laughs> this is the worst parts of Edward in a movie where he has no powers and it's not as fun. <laughs> uh, so she asks him what happened to your face he says he got into a bar fight uh she then reveals that she is not 19 
but like in such a way that I was like, is she lying? I don't know. I thought she was lying too. She just had a fake ID. You could tell me at the end of this movie, she had her 20th birthday party. And I'd be like, that makes sense. Yeah. Same. I'm, it's weird. Uh, my weird part was when he was, she was like, I'm actually 21. He's like, Oh, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Gross. 19 was a little old for me to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no. So they call her a cab because the date is over and she says that she never takes a subway and he tries to kiss her goodnight and she's like, not now, not never, but not now. And he's like, oh, so the dessert, but not me. And so they kiss and then she gets into the cab and just says, I'm going to Queens. I, I don't want to hear, hear about, about it. it. <laughs> Which is the mark of a true New Yorker. Which I did ask Natalie. That would be pretty far away. Yeah, oh, yeah, super far. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a, a solid hour or more cab ride. That's yeah. insane. So we cut to his sister, who is basically finished with sixth grade, and she got into some art thing for her art where, like, there's going to be a show for that. Um, and she's revealing that they have a beach house and asking if he's going to come to her show. And he's like, of course. Yeah. We cut back to his apartment where he has one single coaster and he's making the cop's daughter dinner and she's kind of wandering around his house and this is where she sees the photo of Michael, his brother, and sees Robert Pattinson's guitar and is like, oh, do you play? And he's like, no. Uh, and she's like, well, what are your hobbies? And I realized that up to this point, he has no discernible character traits and he is the main character. <laughs> Yeah, we're 35 minutes, 40 minutes into the movie, and we're just now learning about our main character. We are we are 45 minutes into the movie, and Ugh. he tells a joke about falconry, but establishes no actual character traits. Yeah, I honestly <laughs> thought that that might not be a joke. That might be true. Yeah, I who knows? You don't you know? know. Well, I, I liked how he didn't tell her that Michael was dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then gets mad about her not knowing in literally two minutes yeah. from now. Mm hmm this is also where we find out that he's not actually enrolled in college. He's quote, just auditing, which by the way, you can audit classes. That's a real thing, but like it doesn't count for any credit. So like, it's just you wasting time. This is slum Springer. This yeah, is, it is. He doing nothing, but he sprays her with the faucet and then she dumps an entire stock pot of pasta water onto him, which I know in this movie, they're just like, haha, water. No, it's pasta water. And that's, super gross because as you cook pasta it releases starches from the noodles yep. into that water along with so a lot of times people put oil in it and salt so it would have been like briny kind of sticky water it would have been real, real gross. gross yeah but also they tried to play it off as cute both sides but like they're also saying really mean things to each other too <laughs> the whole time and i thought they were like really fighting and like the way he sprays water on her to first yeah start it was also mean. I was just like, this is a terrible yeah. date. Well, and they get they get soaking wet, so they like wrestle their way to the shower, which has a very cool green bathtub. Love it. Okay. Except the shower hasn't been cleaned since like when her mom died. <laughs> and they're just in wet clothes sitting and talking in the shower. How cold would that be? That would be horrible. It'd be cold and it'd be uncomfortable. And in my mind as a writer, this is the place where this is the sex scene. This should be where a sex scene goes. Because there's already a reason to take your clothes off. You're already in the shower together. They're both already wet. Like, let's just do it. <laughs> both already wet. But instead... No, they get out of the shower in their wet 
clothes. Yep. And he changes clothes. And as he's changing clothes, this is how she sees the t- the Michael tattoo over his nipple. It's over okay, his heart. Okay, we gotta talk about the tattoo. Okay. <laughs> it's a really weird memorial tattoo, I think. I, you know, and I've seen a lot of tattoos like this. It didn't strike me as that weird. I thought the placement was a little questionable. And the font. The font was like the Sons of Anarchy font of just the name Mike. Love it. Don't besmirch the Sons of Anarchy font. Some it's of us are such attracted a bad to that. Show. No, fuck you. Sons of Anarchy is fucking great. If it was two seasons, I'm on board for it being Hamlet. It was seven seasons. I'm That's like, true. It, it, it does drop off after like season five, but like the yeah. first two to three seasons especially are fucking great. I watched the first two seasons and I was into it. That's fair. Anyway, so this is how she figures out he's dead, which by the way means that she like heard the story about him a couple minutes ago, saw the tattoo and was just like, tattoo means he's dead. Yeah. You know, which like. You can just ask. Yeah. Then you just ask about it. Why do you have your brother's name tattooed on your heart? I, I'm pretty sure Robert explains it. He does in this scene. He says that he he died after she already figures it out. Okay. But he didn't tell her in the other room. It's not until she goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then he's like, he killed himself on his 22nd birthday. He was working for my dad, the lawyer, because he was a musician. He didn't have money. And dad convinced him to work for him. And I was like, yeah, he had a day job. Like, yeah, someone who was both a touring musician and a band that was like signed and we like toured. I had a day job that entire time. But I, it was great. They would give me leave of absences when I needed to go on like tours and stuff. But I had a day job the entire time. That's not weird at all. As someone who is low level Internet famous still has a day job. <laughs> Oh, yes, same. I have two full-time jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at this point, the roommate comes in because they're having an around-the-world party downstairs. She initially wants to go home, but he talks her into going. And we cut to later that night where she is barfing in the bathroom. It cuts from him saying one drink, just one drink, right, to her throwing up in the toilet. I was like, ugh. Yeah. I have been the guy holding his girlfriend's hair back while she throws up, and it is not fun. I had largely cut my drinking way, way back by the time I met my husband. And so he has never had to do that for He has uh, but changed. other people have. So there's that. It's it's the worst when she misses the toilet on her first go round because she didn't make it quite in time. Ooh. Yeah. And then like you help her, she throws up, you like guide her back to bed and put her in bed. And then you go and clean up the vomit that she missed the toilet and you come back to bed hoping to get in bed. And then she goes, what are you doing here? And so I just slept on the couch that night. Oh, by the way, this was our first New Year's Eve together. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Relationships sound terrible. This is the girl that cheated on me after five years. That should have been a warning sign. Anyway, so she says, Tyler, who's Robert Pattinson, I need you to call my dad. And I thought he was lying by saying the phone was dead because they don't want to call her dad and reveal that it's the cop. I thought they were lying, too. But that's we find out later they weren't. Yeah. Not that it matters. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But we find out later that they weren't. The phone was dead and she passes out. But back home, her dad is freaking out because she's not home. He's like calling out an APB on her. And 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 part i was like she's 21 she's allowed to be out like she is an adult uh but also this family doesn't have a good track record with staying out late so i kind of get it (laughs) Uh, she sleeps over gets up runs out of the house and gets home and is basically like i'm sorry i fell asleep and my phone died and he's been reading 
her diary. Yeah. All it took for him to go from supportive father to really big invasions of privacy is her being missing for like 12 hours. And not not even. I mean, we don't know what time she's getting home, but like. That's fair. I mean, it could have been like three hours past when she was like. Also, she's 21. Let her live her she's life. She's 21. Like, let, her li- let her live her life. And we don't know how in contact she was with that phone up before it died. So like. Right. Right. Who knows? But she basically is like, hey, I understand that you're upset and scared, but like, I am an adult. Chill the fuck out. And, and then he's he... like, yo, let me hit you with my twisted T. Yep. <laughs> Backhands her in the face. Yeah. Knocking her to the ground. Yeah. It's such a bizarre act of violence. Like, it's so. It's such a bizarre it's... escalation of violence. Like, it's yes. insane to go from zero to backhand that yes. fast is insane. It does imply he's been drinking the entire time. Yeah, so it's implying true. that like he has a problem with alcoholism and that probably contributed. But at the same time, in this moment, he's not portrayed as like drunk necessarily. So it's not like not that that would be an excuse, but like it's such a shift in character that it is shocking. Yeah. And there's not a good explanation for it. We cut to Robert Pattinson and his roommate on what I could only assume is the rooftop set from The Room. <laughs> because it looks like that same rooftop even though it's not oh hi mark oh hi mark that rooftop was a parking lot uh but <laughs> his roommate's trying to do weights and instead of spotting him robert pattinson just lets him struggle and uh he comes downstairs and the policeman's daughter Allie, is just back in the house and they're like oh we need to f- fix that deadbolt because she just it's a little deadbolt shadowing deadbolt Oh shit He like sets up The couch for her And she like sleeps it off or whatever But it's implied that she's basically Moving in And at this point I was like does she have No other friends Or family Or anybody That the person that she's gonna quote unquote Move in with is the guy that she's been on Two dates with Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what happens. And like he kind of sets stuff up and they're talking and he does this weird thing that he does a couple different times in this movie where he just walks slowly and stares at his own feet (laughs) while like just kind of staring at her. And then they fucking. Yeah. A lot. And then cuddling and then fucking again. (laughs) The implication there if you're moving in. No, Mikey. You're saying this is her rent is what you're saying. No. (laughs) Well, she does not have a job. Well, she, yeah. None of these people seem to have fucking jobs. I don't understand how any of them live there. Yeah, well, because he's on Schlumpspringer. He's got a shitload of money. He's a trust fund kid. Yeah, so we cut to the next morning when he's like staring out the window and leaves her a note. Uh, Because he's going to the diner. And so he goes to the diner where we find out that he basically writes letters to his brother from the diner because they used to go there. Yeah, it was the last place he saw him alive. The last place he saw him alive. And Janine, his dad's secretary, comes to the diner because we find out that this is still where his dad orders his coffee from. Yeah. Which I think he kind of dismisses that action, but I think this was the movie trying to be like, the dad cares about that place too, in his own way. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I don't know. Or like the dad misses Michael too. Yeah. But he's like, you know what? Fuck my dad. Yeah. it's Yeah. We cut back to the apartment. He gets home. He <laughs> he throws a Bialy at the roommate, which is really funny because <laughs> the roommate <laughs> has like this weird bunk bed in the hallway 
which I couldn't figure out the layout of this apartment to save my soul. He comes into the bedroom and Allie's awake and she basically tells him about the murder and is like, my dad's not some crazy dude that's going to come hunt you down, except that he is because that happens yeah, later in the movie. That's 100% <laughs> what happens in this movie. She's, she's I wrong because that, that happens. <laughs> Um, but this is where she's like, Hey, my, my mom was murdered. So he's overprotective, but yeah. he just doesn't understand that I'm an adult person with my own thoughts and feelings and that I have agency. And eventually I'm not going, he can't protect me 24 seven. So she calls the police station and is basically like, tell my dad that I'm with friends and I'm doing fine. Um, they go and celebrate Tyler's birthday with his family, which is, I think what Tyler wanted. He didn't want the Atlantic city thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as they're celebrating, we find out that his younger sister is worried that their dad is not going to come to the show, her art show. And so he tells his mom, I'll get him there. That is not his responsibility, though. Like, no, no. it's not. Yeah. It's not. Being and the oldest child sucks. Well, <laughs> oldest child or not, this is no one's responsibility but the dad. Right. Exactly. It is his responsibility to want to be there. Right. And he yes. clearly just does not care. Like he probably feels like he should be there. He doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Well, and I think this is something that a so his mom is asking him to do this. His mom should call his dad. Yes, absolutely. This is not something to put on the kids. And if the dad's not going to be there and you know that that's going to be a thing and there's a chance that that might not happen, then that mom needs to have a conversation with that daughter and be like, we love you, and he loves you also, and this is not indicative of your worth as a person, and I'm sorry he let you down. Like, th this needs to be a more constructive conversation of, like, the fact that this person is not investing time is not a memorandum on your worth or the worth of that time that they could be spending with you. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think it does. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan, best actor in this movie. Yeah, hands down. Uh, so <laughs> Allie goes to wash dishes with Robert Pattinson's mom because his mom has the job that Allie wants, basically. Social worker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both, she's studying to be a social worker. Mom is a social worker. Um, Robert Pattinson calls Janine, and then Janine interrupts a meeting. Pierce Brosnan puts him on speakerphone in the middle of that meeting. And the way he kind of does it is he asks if they want to have dinner beforehand before the art show. So he's like, yeah, just have Janine make a reservation for somewhere nice. How many? He says three, meaning he's going to bring Allie. Yeah. I'm realizing that he's calling his dad on his birthday and his dad hasn't even called. <laughs> like, done Right. That. Yeah. That made me so sad. Yeah. Well, because his dad on this phone call is like big 22, huh? Like he's just now real. like, oh, right. It's your birthday. Yeah. Uh, he's insanely dismissive in this movie. Yeah. And this is like a for reasons that you said earlier, Paige, this is a big birthday for him because yeah. his brother died at 22, you know? Yeah. And that's something that by the end of the movie they share. But like, yeah. you know, it's still a big thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mikey, your response to that was exactly what I wanted. <laughs> they say goodbye to his parents. And as they're kind of on their way out, Allie looks at his younger sister's art. And this art is nuts. It's so good. Art? Yeah. This is the art of an adult. Yeah. For someone who's like 11 or. Yeah. She's 11. Yeah. She's super young. She has a realistic portrait of her brother right there. And I was like, 
Oh, that is really good art. She does deserve to well, go to art school. Somebody from the art department on this movie was just like, yeah, okay, just give me like 10 minutes. <laughs> like, did it. And then was like, that could be her art. I don't know. And then like, <laughs> But okay, but if that's the case, that is like goodwill hunting level of art. Yes. Because like that one person just walked over, like solved the art equation and then walked away. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like photorealism levels of art. Yeah. Like if I walked into Andrea Gazetta's apartment and saw that, I'd be like, cool art. And I'd yeah, be like, like, this is an acceptable level of art for what I know about you. But yeah. if I walked into any other child's room and that was on the easel, I'd be like, oh, my God, call the Met. Like, holy yeah. shit. No, she, was like, like, she was like, the ghost of Michael's taught me how to do art. Oh, <laughs> he talks to me in the little room. Uh, anyway. Oh, hi, Michael. Oh, hi, Michael. <laughs> So we very briefly, we cut to the <laughs> policeman, the detective's house where he's microwaving food because she's not there to cook for him. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> we just hear the news in the background, which is just more like news shadowing. Uh, no, it's, it's literally about... the speech that George Bush gave earlier in that year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Then we cut to the Oak Room, which is where they're going to dinner before the art show. And Pierce Brosnan shows up late and Robert Pattinson is already drunk. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he could stand me up. He can't he can't stand you up and he can't stand my sister up. But then Pierce Brosnan shows. And I have in my notes at this point, this movie could have taken 40 minutes, but it's two hours long. Yep. Um, and <laughs> Allie and Pierce Brosnan seem to get a get along really well at this dinner which I think is the movie hinting to you, Pierce Brosnan's not that bad of a dude. Like, yeah, right. he's dismissive and he's not always nice, but like he's human. He's not just a villain. And he is there trying to spend time with them. But Robert Pattinson is just a total dick at dinner. And I don't think he knows what a metaphor is. <laughs> like he <laughs> says something's a metaphor. And I was like, that's not a metaphor. No, it's not. What the fuck? No. But so he just proceeds to get drunker and drunker because I think he's mad that Allie and his dad are getting along, which is crazy because like, it should be nice that you're finally having a nice interaction with him, but he yeah. clearly harbors resentment. Absolutely. Um, but this is where she reveals that she was there when the murder happened. And right. Every, he like the Pierce Brodson's phone rings. So he walks away to take a phone call and Robert Pattinson gets real fucking weird about it immediately. Like, why would you do that now? Yeah, he, where he's just like staring at her, and I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? First of all, if somebody's like, my mom was murdered, that's bad as is. Like, I'm not gonna be that much more surprised to hear like I was there. I was like, well, it was a subway platform. That's very possible. Like, it's upsetting to hear that. I'm sorry that happened to you, but like, right? That makes sense within the story. Like, I don't know why he's so weird about it. But then Pierce Brosnan comes back and he's like, hey, I can't. I got to I got to skip the art show. It's open till nine. I'll try and make it. But he's he's not going to make it because he's you know going to take a work meeting call thing. Well, he goes back to he goes back to the office. We see it. Yeah. Which is bonkers that at 8 p.m. they're having like a board meeting, which is like makes no sense. 
Business. Yeah. Business. His staff hates him. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if anyone's addressed the idea that potentially he's pouring himself into work as a way to avoid his grief, but like... Yeah, so, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, I've been sort of waiting to talk about this because I had a brother that died when we were kids, right? I, I was yeah. uh, 15, he was 17, and like that was a big event that happened. Like I know what that's like to live through that and to grow up into that, and mm-hmm. everyone reacts differently and like handles it very differently. I was lucky because my dad was always the kind of dad that like was very open with his affection and his love mm-hmm. for us, and he only got even more so after my brother died. But I really feel like this movie could have been sort of an exploration of what happens to families when something like that ha- happens. Yeah. And I was on board for that like sadness and that grief workshop that I was going to go through or I thought I was going to go through. Mm -hmm. That is not at all what we get. They really could have spent time establishing the dad as like really fucking loving his kids but he's so deep in his grief he does not know how to like relate to them anymore and it's just like he's scared to get connected to them because he's afraid they'll die and like everyone having their own whatever moment Mm -hmm. that is but it just doesn't deliver that at all and I it just made me so sad because this movie could have been good I realize I'm saying that and like well, You'd have to completely change the ending, but like I can't believe I, that's the that's the problem with me is that no matter what you change in yeah. the first hour fifty minutes, you still have the ridiculous. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that ruins everything, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. well, but I think I mean Todd and we've talked about this a couple times in this episode. Now, what you're describing is a not a romantic movie. No, and, not really. And B, no, a completely different movie than this. Like. It's like yeah, this it's movie good. half-assed some of that for no reason in the middle of a weird romantic story that makes no sense. Well, and it was marketed as a romantic movie. Yes, it was. Yeah, and, and I And the twist I, was not told in to the anybody. marketing. I I actually have notes on that as well because oh, I'm, so, I'm so excited people about were this. Fucking furious. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to the art show and the sister is really upset that he's not that, that Pierce Brosnan's not there. And but so, not to be outset, upset, outset. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm done by being upset. Yeah, that's true. I'll get through Robert it. Pattinson always has to be the most upset in this movie. So he, he grabs a painting off the. Off, he literally it rips it off the wall, goes yeah. home. Gets on his bike and she tries to stop him. He manhandles her. I yes. Like, he reacts to her physically in a way that would have made me feel uncomfortable and not feel okay for my safety. Everyone is physical in this movie, and it's not a good idea. But he he shoves her. Oh yeah, hard enough that I'm like, oh he he hasn't hit her yet, but he's gonna. Like it's just right. That's more than a simple "don't touch me." Like that is a push. Like, to harm. Yes. Would you both say that Al-Qaeda saved her from an abusive relationship? (laughs) Yes. I hate that the answer to that question is absolutely, Mikey. Are they still together? (laughs) Actually, no, there was was a hot second in watching some of the end of this movie where I was like, she better not end up with a roommate. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Anyway, so, like, he shoves her out of the way grabs his bike and the picture that he is slowly destroying because he ripped it out of the thing that was protecting it from getting bent and shit, and he bikes to his dad's office. Yes, where he storms into that meeting and is like, she drew you a picture and you didn't come. You have a daughter that believes you don't like her and you don't listen to her, and he's just screaming. (laughs) And Pierce Brosnan won't let people leave. Everyone's like, I think we can... We could just we can go. We can go. And he's like, Set yeah, the we fuck down. 
Bond. Yeah, yeah. Like, way Pierce Brosnan, sit the fuck down. I was like, okay, James Bond. I'm sorry. I, didn't mean it. <laughs> uh, I have definitely gotten into fights with my dad like this. Uh, so that's so I was crazy. like, oh, this hits home. Well, yeah. I I just have in all caps. Why is this the B plot for this movie? <laughs> is it the B plot? I don't know what the main plot is. Uh, Actually, the main plot was 13 men. <laughs> From Saudi Arabia and a couple other yeah. countries. Yes. And yet, some for some reason, we invaded Afghanistan. Uh, ask questions. Anyway. I feel like all of their thoughts were focused on the ending and not maybe all of this. <laughs> not the, the hour and 50 minutes before it. Um, but in this fight, we reveal that Robert Pattinson found his brother's dead body. Yeah. When he died of suicide. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that'll mess you up for sure. And that, oh, yeah, I'll say. I pulled my brother from the truck. It was, oof, I really had a lot to deal with in therapy because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and after this emotionally charged argument, he comes back to the apartment where they have sex. Oh, yeah. Well, no, he comes back visibly <laughs> upset and she's like, what's wrong? And then he just has sex with her. Yeah. I, I literally in my notes just say, what the fuck? This isn't even hot. I'm just questioning their coping skills. <laughs> like, <it's> just, <laughs> this is the least hot sex scene ever. It's just upsetting. Yeah, because yeah, he's like crying the whole time. <laughs> so it's like sex with you, Mike. It's just, you know, tears of joy. <laughs> it finally happened. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> the next day she calls home and lets her dad know that she's okay. And we cut to his house where he's replaying the message over and over like a fucking creep. Yeah. Like a psychopath. Uh, they go to the beach house for Labor Day and take the train home. Uh, so it's Robert Pattinson, the roommate and Allie. Yeah. He's talking about how he has slept with one person from every race, which is one of the most offensive conversations I think we've had yeah. in a movie yeah. on this show. Yeah. I also just want to say he means Inuit. He should say Inuit. <laughs> and Allie, Allie does say it correctly later. And I was like, oh, they knew what the correct word was. Yes. And well, they chose he, to say Eskimo. Interesting. He, he says it. He says Eskimo. She says Eskimo. And then later yes. she says Inuit. And I was like, so you knew it was Inuit and you didn't go with Inuit yeah. or indigenous peoples or whatever other more affirming thing you could have said. <laughs> and I, I get that the roommate is like this douche and would probably say the wrong word. Although you could still make him a douche and use Inuit. Be like, given the dialogue of something like, uh, you might say I got into it or oh, something no. like that. Yeah. Yeah, that still makes him a it. dick, but he's using the right term. <laughs> no, these people tried to make the most offensive film I think I've ever seen almost <laughs> yeah. in modern day. I mean, like modern, like. Yeah, this is no song of the South. They weren't trying to. But regardless of whether or not he says Inuit, the idea that he is fetishizing people for their racial or cultural background is bonkers offensive. <laughs> like, yeah, it is not a good look. It has not aged well. Nope. It's just bad. And there's a dude staring at them on the train and the movie does not telegraph it well, but it's the dad's partner. Oh, is it? That's who it is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I did not get that at it all. It took me a couple minutes to figure it out, but that—that yeah. that is what happened. For a second, I was like, "Is that the guy that murdered her mom?" Yes, I thought that too. It was her partner. It was his partner. It, it no, was no, no, his I partner, know. but but the movie sets it up almost like it is the person that murdered her mom, yeah. and is like, "I'm coming back for seconds." Like that—that's what <laughs> it looks like. 
get home, Robert Pattinson walks into his apartment and it's been broken into because they still didn't fix that deadbolt. The deadbolt. And the deadbolt. And at this point, I just have in my notes, how is there still a half hour left of this movie? I know. <laughs> I know. But this is where we reveal that the dad is like in their bed and he's yes. like reading notes that they've passed back and forth, I guess. Yeah. And then he just chokes the shit out of him, October Sky style. Well, no, so, okay, and he's confronting him about it, like, does she know that I was the one that arrested you? And at this point in the movie, it seems that Robert Pattinson has truly has feelings for her. That yes. even if this was floated as a bet early in the movie, that is not what has happened. And they never really talk about it. You're right. They talk about it one time and then he meets her and he's like, oh, she's really cool. Yeah. And then it's not a bet. And all he needed to do in this scene was be like, I hadn't told her. I thought it would get complicated. I'm willing to tell her because I care about her. Yeah. And I want to be honest with her. That's all he needed to do. And instead, just to be a fucking punk, he's like, oh, I did the whole thing for a bet. Dude, why would you fucking say that? I know, why would right? you say that? Because A, you fully didn't. But also B, this is just going to make him mad at you. Why are you? This is her father. You're going to have to get along with him at some point point why the fuck would you just like provoke him like that and then he attacks him yeah they want that conversation in seven years at thanksgiving being like hey hey father-in-law remember that time you choked the shit out of me in my apartment right? after breaking in uh, and uh, <laughs> police uh, abuse of power because he looked up his whole family on his like database and stuff yeah well and here's the thing it's like you could still have him choke him after that you did not need robert pattinson's character to just be a fucking selfish asshole punk in this scene he could have still uh, gotten he, he choked he needs to be consistent yeah and uh, why would you change him for one scene page Oh, yeah. God, I hate him so much in this movie. Um, but so her dad chokes him out yeah. and leaves him on the floor. I do love how he goes, get a fucking deadbolt on his way out. I was like, nice. Yeah. He could have uh, complained to the, you know, New York City Police Department and got that guy fired immediately. Yeah, it's a B and E and an assault. <laughs> yeah, yes. This dude is a dirty cop. And also his yeah. partner for looking all the information up. Because, like, his partner's the one who spotted them and told them, like, told him who it was, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he told him, like, hey, your daughter's safe. He's with that guy we arrested. I think they're dating. Yeah. The dad definitely is the one who searched the databases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she comes into the apartment. Because her and the roommate went to go meet the Inuit librarian, I think. She was like, you'll never believe it, but she's awesome. Like, I really like her a lot. We never yeah. meet her, but yeah. Right. It's just bringing back the most offensive, second most offensive thing in this movie. But it, this <laughs> is the time she actually uses it right. But yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But she comes in all excited and he's like brooding in the corner because he's been choked out by her father. Yeah. Well, and he says, your dad was here when I got home. And then he tells her like, hey, your dad was the one who arrested me. He was the one who beat me up. I mouthed off to him and he responded. Yeah. And then Aiden saw you and he suggested that we do this as a bet. And she slaps him on like deserved, honestly. And she leaves and goes home to her dad's house where it's implied that they have a happy relationship again, yep. even though her dad is physically abusive and hunted down and choked her boyfriend. Yeah, it's insane. 
We cut to the younger sister is going to a slumber party and she seems kind of nervous about it. Uh, the maid takes the sleeping bag. And then for a hot second, I was like, why is Eugene Levy in this? But it's because Robert Pattinson and the roommate are watching yeah. American Pie in a theater because <laughs> it was yep. in theaters at the time. This is when, like in 2001, when this movie is supposedly set, it was a movie that was out. Uh, fun fact, though, Paige. Sure. The movie they were watching was American Pie 2. Oh. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Because that one came out August 10th, 2001. Okay, so that gives yeah. us a date range, yeah. Yes. We cut back to the party, and the girls have cut Caroline's, the little sister's, hair, which Ugh. is brutal. Yeah, I was real upset when I saw this. So Aiden, the roommate, shows up at the cop's house, apologizes for the bet, and is basically like, Allie, he's in love with you. And he says the fucking craziest line, second craziest line <laughs> of this entire movie. <laughs> uh, every time I'm like, this is the craziest, I'm like, nope, 9-11 is at the end of this movie. Uh, yep. But he says, I've only seen him look at one other girl that way and she shares his DNA, meaning his sister, which is so weird. You should not be looking yeah. at your girlfriend and your sister the same way. That is a bad <laughs> no. thing. That is a really bad thing. Maybe it's for the best that 9-11. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. There's no winning, Paige. It's just bad. There's no way to make it not bad. Get it out of my brain. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the world that I wanted that I lived in that I wanted to share with you all. Um, because sometimes I would just wake up in the middle of the night and be like, why did they make that movie? <laughs> That's the appropriate reaction to this. Literally being haunted by it for years. For 11 years, I've sat on this movie. I've seen it one time, and I made you all watch it because I still think about it. Because I was like, why? Why would, it, why would the, the world let this happen? <laughs> oh, God. So we cut back to his mom and stepdad's house where Caroline is super upset. Like, poor yeah, thing. She's about to I be really upset. Yeah. Oh, think about it. In the same week, she's going to go through 9-11 and lose her brother. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be like a footnote in her life. <laughs> she's going to be like, remember when my hair was weird? No. There's so much other shit that week. <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, so Robert Pattinson's kind of cuddling with her. Oh, no. Remembering that last sentence the way he looked at her. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> And he's reading her that book. It's mythology. And I'm, again, I'm like, why mythology? Why not Alice in Wonderland? They play on the statue. Like, I think Todd's right. The Greek tragedy of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so bad. Um, so Aiden brings Allie over. And Allie and Robert Pattinson have this conversation on the steps. And he's like, for what it's worth, I think you're amazing. You don't have to forgive me now, but eventually. Robert Pattinson takes Caroline to school the next day. Yeah. And they've had to get like a full haircut, basically. Yeah, which is really just a bad wig. Yeah. But yeah, it, her hair is much shorter now. Yeah, much shorter. And I think Pierce Brosnan did show up at the house a little bit yeah. for... Yeah, the day before. The family really rallies yeah. around her. The other thing, too, we kind of hear it in phone calls and stuff where the all of the kids yeah. that did it deny that they did it. They say she did it to herself, which I'm just like, first of all, why are you why believing would an 11-year-old? Secondly, yeah. why would she do that? And so the parents aren't doing anything about it. 
And then she has to go back to school with all these people and the school's not going to do anything about it. So she's, they're going to get away with it and she's just like devastated. So Robert Pattinson takes her to school, walks her all the way into class, which he doesn't typically do as we've established in this movie, gets her set up, she's ready to go. And as he's leaving, one of the girls in class makes fun of her haircut. And it's yeah, like I like what you did with your hair. It's real nice. Yeah, and it's clear that this is one of the girls who cut her hair. Like that. This oh, is one yeah. of them. And then Tyler goes all Mikey on this classroom. <laughs> I mean, this scene is awesome. <laughs> it really is sort of awesome. Yeah, because he walks right in front of the girl who started talking at first. Because a, a few other girls started talking too. But he like rips not not like knocks everything off her desk but like grabs it by the desk that's connected to the chair <laughs> she's sitting it. in yes. and spins it and then goes and gets the bougie fire extinguisher and throws it through the window it's fully three feet long foot and a half around it's huge yeah and it's silver it looks like it belongs yeah. on the polar fucking express and he he got her chucks it through that window yeah, yeah. It through a window this is it's this amazing. is Zac Efron choke slamming that child staring at 11 year old <laughs> bully and then adjusting her desk again and is like grunting at her yeah yeah it's well and i just in my notes i'm just like what the fuck what did that help and then he ends up in jail again and- <laughs> of course but guys did you realize that this is why he dies yes because he has to go talk to his dad's lawyers yeah. yep. That next if this day. guy could have talked about his feelings, we would be... Yeah. And Pierce Brosnan would be dead. Uh, no, Pierce Brosnan would not be dead because he took his daughter to school the next yeah. day. And that's why he was late. The whole family would have been fine if Tyler had dealt with his anger issues. Well, do you think he would have still driven the daughter to school if that had not happened the day before? I think so. I think so because we saw him show up at the house before okay. because... Of what happened to her hair. So, yeah, I fully believe everyone in this movie would be alive at the end of it if Tyler hadn't gone all Mikey in this classroom. <laughs> You've heard it here, folks. Uh, that is Todd blaming the victim for 9 11. 9-11 would have still happened, Mikey, but he would have lived through it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Jet fuel can't melt anger screams. (laughs) So Pierce Brosnan bails him out of jail again. And he's like, I didn't call you. And he's like, I know, but I'm going to go after the school. And like, essentially, he's like, I'm going to get you off. But also, I'm going to get revenge, basically. He pretty much says, you can't do what you did. I'm going to handle the school by like just dicking them over so hard that those girls resigned from school. Yeah. He doesn't really go into it, but he's like, let me teach you yeah. how to be an asshole the right way. Yeah. Well, and, and he says, I know you think I'm a prick, but I have my uses. But this is him being like, this is something I can do. This is an area of influence that I yes. have that I'm going to take care of the people I love by ruining the lives of a bunch of other people. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of little girls. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm not saying they don't deserve some sort of punishment, but yeah. Yeah, but this is also where we find out that the next morning, Robert Pattinson has to go to his father's office to talk to some lawyers. Um, Yeah. So we cut to the next morning uh, where he's doing like shadow puppets on Allie's back. So he basically is like, I got to go to my dad's office. And she says, say hi to him for me. Yeah. I love you. Good. I love you, too. Now, the one thing I do like is that they everyone seems to have a really good morning before this happens. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> By that I mean every everyone's memories 
of him are positive where it's like, I don't think anyone had last words that they didn't get to say. Yeah. Like she says, I love you. He and his dad are on good terms. Caroline gets to go to school with her dad because people are going to fight for her. Like, you know, it's wrapping all this stuff up almost to make you feel okay that it happens, but it's like not no. okay at all. No, it's not okay that they cashed in on a national tragedy. <laughs> no. Uh, so <laughs> a- Allie's going to make Aiden French toast, uh, which is kind of fun that the girlfriend and roommate have, have bonded, I guess. Um, uh, uh, his dad shows up at his mom's house to take Caroline to school. Tyler heads to the office, so he's already there. And his dad calls and is like, hey, I'm taking Caroline to, you know, to school. I'll be there. And instead of just going to the diner to wait, he says, I'll wait in your office. And it makes all the difference yeah, in the world. It does. He gets upstairs and... Janine has gone for coffee and he's wandering around the office. And in my notes, I'm just like, they're milking it now. <laughs> like, like I know we know it's going to happen. They're milking it. He's walking around the office and touches the mouse and the computer screen, like the screensaver is all pics of his dad with them as kids, which for yeah. him is like, Oh, dad did really love us, including Caroline. Cause there's pictures of Caroline too. Yeah. Well, and Michael uh, as a, as a smaller child. Yeah. And Janine walks in and sees him looking at the pictures and reveals that yeah. she scanned all those pictures in for him. But at his request. Yeah. yeah. He's like, did you know about these photos? And she's like, yeah. Who do you think scanned them all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I, I love that. And Janine asks how old Michael would be, who's the older brother. And but this is for me. I'm like, OK, so Janine's been his dad's secretary for a lifetime it feels like yeah i mean it could be a, a good number of years yeah and so she and robert pattinson kind of have this moment of like you know i'm sorry michael would have been 28 like this whole thing he walks over towards the windows caroline is at school spacing out uh her teacher walks away revealing the chalkboard where it says september 11th 2001 and i was so mad at this moment because I feel like the movie was wanting the reaction of, oh, my God, no. Oh, they got but that reaction like, from yeah, me. Yeah, no shit. We knew this was coming, but I can't believe you're doing yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to Robert Pattinson <gasps> looking out the window, and they pull back from the window to reveal that Robert Pattinson is in Tower 1 over Floor 88, meaning that he yep. is high enough up that he will not survive through the attack. He will either die in the initial explosion or not be able to escape down to the lower floors. So his mom comes out to the street in the next scene and sees people running towards what we now know is the explosion, although we never see the actual attack in this movie. No, because they wanted to do it tastefully, guys. Tasteful would have been not including it. Uh, but we, <laughs> Thank you. Agree. We get a voiceover of Robert Pattinson with one of the quotes that he had put in his note to Michael earlier in the movie. Whatever you do in life will be insignificant, but it's very important to do it because no one else will. I'm sorry. Fucking what? That's what we're yeah. saying as yeah. thousands of people die? Wait, and wait, wait. Can I say this? That's not what we're saying, Paige. We are not saying that. We are not saying that. That is what the movie is saying. And it is very Ooh. offensive. So the detective dad is at the scene. Caroline leaves school that morning. And a note to Michael is found in the rubble. And Allie and Aiden run out onto the roof where they watch it happen. And I just have 
Allie is double traumatized now uh, because she then goes home to see her dad who has come home from being a frontline responder, which means that he is about 80% more likely to die of cancer in the next five years because of the fumes. Yep. And Robert Pattinson fully died in the tower. So now they have celebrations for both him and Michael every year. And Caroline is beyond fucked up, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then they try to cut through like everyone's lives changing for the better after this because like his mom is in yeah. an office for some reason. I don't know what that was about because she had she's in three scenes in this movie. She has no story arc. This makes no fucking sense. Then Caroline and his dad go to a museum and then Allie starts taking the subway again. <laughs> I hate it so much that that was her arc. I hated it so much. And, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. <laughs> All right. So having seen it, having talked about it, final thoughts, hit me with them. Let's go. Out of every movie I've ever seen, this movie haunts me the most. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. Uh... Like when you said you will wonder about this movie years after having seen it, thinking, why did they make this? I know that is the hell you forced me into <laughs> when you suggested we do this movie. <laughs> This is something I will truly never forget. <laughs> <laughs> it is so crass with yes, not just 9-11, but everything it does oh. from the opening scene on that it is almost unbelievable that it exists on film. Oh, Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I, I think, well, and, and I, we'll get into this a little bit more in, in box office and some of the fun facts. I was... Let's see, 2010. I was 23 when this movie came out. I was 13 when 9-11 happened. I vividly remember it. I remember that whole day. Like, I do too. that was a life-altering day for those of yeah, us old was. enough to remember it. Yeah. However, the Twilight target audience is closer in age to uh, my podcast co-host on cult podcast armando torres who was five yeah he was in kindergarten he was in kindergarten can i just plug his bit about 9-11 i was about to <laughs> oh no okay sorry because Ar armando torres has no real memories of 9-11 all he remembers that day was that a kid shit his pants and had to go home and then they all had to go home and his first thought was how badly did bradley shit his pants <laughs> because he literally does not have a memory of the greater significance of that day or what happened around that day he was too young he was just too young so those are the people who were of age when this movie came out because there is like a, a section of reviews of people that like this movie and a lot of them are written by people who were not old no. enough necessarily to remember the towers and i think that is that makes sense i think that's a huge part of it because i'm watching this movie at 23 and i'm horrified because i'm just like that was one of the most terrifying days of my life yeah <laughs> like okay, this so, is so scary <laughs> i am offended this movie exists as a person who experienced 9-11 <laughs> in georgia as like a senior in high school or junior yeah. in high school yeah i cannot imagine Anyone in New York, anyone Absolutely. whose family was involved. I can't imagine Same. anything yeah. about anyone yeah. who was. If I am this offended and I am the only relationship I have to 9-11 is that I lived in America when it happened and I remember right. it and I'm yes. this offended. I cannot even imagine the emotions that go through people who have actually been tangentially involved in this. If I had lost yeah. someone in the towers and saw this movie, I don't even like, how did people not stab the screen? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, th I think there's a lot of a 
hindsight reviewing on this movie where a lot of people are like, yeah, I've been watching through all of Robert Pattinson stuff and it's not bad. But then there's also like a section of people at the time that were like, I mean, it's better than Twilight, which spoiler, it is not. I would rather watch Twilight. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I think this movie kind of gets colored by the Twilight fandom of the time, which really downplays how horrifying this movie is because Holy shit, the ending of this movie is crass. Like, the yeah. most crass. Which is why the first title card that comes up after it said, directed by Alan Coulter. And I had a hot second where I paused it and I went, did Ann Coulter's husband direct this movie? <laughs> and then I fell down a Wikipedia rabbit hole where I found out that Ann Coulter's been engaged many times and never actually married and allegedly may play for the other team but doesn't want to admit it. Allegedly, oh. allegedly, don't sue me. Anyway, so Alan Coulter, complete no relation. But after this, he just basically directed a whole bunch of Boardwalk Empire episodes and called it a day. <laughs> yeah. He also did the pilot of Sons of Anarchy. I love Sons of Anarchy, though. Oh, like, no. clear, clearly, he, he's done better things. But, yeah, oof, oof, magoof, this one. Yeah, it's bad. Oh this is God. a career ender, my friends. <laughs> Deservedly so. Do you have some fun facts for us, though, Paige? Oh, my God, so much. I can't wait. You might be surprised to know that part of the reason this movie was made was because the script the original script of the movie was featured on the 2008 Blacklist. Now, I don't know. If oh, I love Blacklist. Yeah. If you're not super into screenwriting, you might not know what Blacklist yeah. is. So I will give you a little bit of a, a primer. If you're a screenwriting nerd, you know about it. Yeah. Though. If you're a screenwriting nerd, you know about it. Blacklist. And I think they still do it, right? I haven't yeah, paid I attention so. they in They do. They actually used to have a podcast where they would like do live table That's reads right. of yes. the winner. Oh, I love that podcast, but it just got too expensive to produce. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, they do still have the blacklist. So what the blacklist is, is basically scripts that have been passed around the studio system, but have not been made. And it's supposed to be the best unmade scripts of the year. Yes. So this yeah. was supposed to be one of the best unmade scripts of 2008. No way. Now, here's the thing. I don't know what that script was. Sometimes things on the blacklist are better as scripts than they are as movies. That's something that's happened because a lot of blacklist scripts do get made. That's part of the reason the blacklist exists is to be like, this is a good script that didn't get made. And then sometimes people go and make those scripts and they rarely turn out good, which I think is really interesting. Very few good movies have come out of the blacklist even though there are very interesting good scripts that are featured by it. And a lot of times it just comes down to like, is there talent connected to it? Is a good director attached to it? Any number of things. But this movie was featured in 2008. And when they cast it, Twilight hadn't come out yet, which means that the producers of this movie had no idea that their movie was about to get way more attention than they thought. No one knew how Twilight was going to do. It hadn't even been announced yet. So they cast Robert Pattinson just because they liked him in the role, which is insane because he is insufferable in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, aside from being the lead actor, we did note that Robert Pattinson is the executive producer, one of the executive producers of this movie. And essentially, he backed it monetarily towards the end of the movie with some of his Twilight earnings to quote unquote protect the process. So like 
the movie was going along, he wanted it to be completed as they were making it in the way they were making it. And so he signed on as an executive producer to finish the movie, essentially, which is weird. Wow. Maybe the studio had some good notes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe they were like, could it be not 9-11? <laughs> yeah. What if we just end the movie with like everybody being happy? <laughs> For all we know, that's what the blacklist script version of this is. Oh my we god! Don't, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. And there are a lot of great, great movies that have been on the blacklist: Argo, Arrival, mm -hmm. uh, Juno. But there's also some real, real stinkers on there, though, too. Oh yeah, but I mean, the blacklist is a pretty big list. You know? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, they've been doing it since 2005. It's really cool. If you're into, into scripts and um, you know the whole process of like mm -hmm. how movies get made, the blacklist is a, is a cool place to check out. Yep. So as we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of visual foreshadowing. Uh, so there's the towers in the skyline behind Allie and her mom. Uh, when Tyler's in the elevator going up to his dad's office the first time, you see the floor count increasing above 88, which means that yeah. he could only be in the towers. It's one of the only buildings that tall. And given the timing, we know that it's after Labor Day in 2001. We know that he would be hit by the planes as they crash into the upper floors and they he would not survive. Now, this movie also was nominated for a Razzie. Actually, Robert Pattinson was nominated for two Razzies, one for Remember Me and one for the Twilight Saga Eclipse because <laughs> by the time this movie came out, so like this movie was in development hell for fucking ever, and but by the time it actually came out, they had already made three Twilight movies. So it wasn't the first Twilight. It was Twilight Eclipse. It was like mega Twilight. This is like the <laughs> height of Twilight. And before we get into some of the reviews I pulled, do you guys want to know who the bartender was? Yes, yes, please. The bartender who has one line in this movie, who basically tells the roommate to fuck off and walked away, walks away, is her royal Highness, the Duchess of Sussex, <laughs> Meghan Markle. Oh my God. The reason she is in this movie is because her first husband, who she would divorce a couple years later, was a producer on this movie and put her in for the one line role. So, Her Royal Highness, Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex. Thank you. Man, I loved her on suits. Anyway, she was fun on suits. All right. So, do you want to hear some reviews? Absolutely. So much. So Sandy Angelo Chen from Common Sense Media says, this is a confusing film. It's not difficult to understand, but it doesn't gel together as anything deeper than a shockingly gimmicky treatise on violence. <laughs> 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 now, the New York Times, uh, specifically Manola Dargis, says, in Remember Me, love means never having to say you're sorry, particularly to the audience. <laughs> 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 and Tom Seymour from Little White Lies says, put it this way, Coulter, there are over 3,000 true stories you could have told, and this film may insult every single one. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Dave White from Movies.com just said, I hate this movie. I hate it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's my review. The final one, which was my favorite one I found is by Stella Papa Michelle from Radio Times that just says, best forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, God. Fuck this movie. You guys heard it for some box office, though? Yes, yeah. This is going to upset me a lot, I think. 
Yeah, you guys are not going to be super happy about this. So, what do you think the production budget for Remember Me was? Oh, God. It's probably not that high. That's probably why they didn't show the towers. Like 20 mil? I would say 25. Okay, it was actually 16 million. So, okay. a little bit less than what you guys thought it was. Yeah. Um, it came out on March 12th. 2010 and it was fifth that weekend it came out so it was beat by alice in wonderland green zone she's out of my league shutter island and of course it was fifth how much do you think it made that weekend domestically i I mean i remember alice in wonderland was fucking huge when that came out also shutter island big one yeah shutter island had been out for four weeks and it was still number four yeah i'm gonna say 15 I would say 10, 10 mil. $8 million is what they made their opening weekend. And it went on to make $19 million domestically. Okay, that doesn't make me mad as yeah, much as you were so saying. Yeah, I feel so bad about that. Guys, hang on a second. Oh, no. <laughs> so it made back its budget domestically. Internationally, probably because they weren't as personally offended <laughs> by the movie, it made another $37.4 million. So the movie oh. actually went on to make $56.5 million and then another $15 million in DVD and Blu-ray oh. sales. So it ended up making like $70 million, a <laughs> little over $70 million. I mean, oh here, here's the thing. I, I know as Americans, we expect our tragedies to be everyone's tragedies. But I do understand this movie doing better if you have no personal connection yeah. to 9-11. Yeah, absolutely. I, I get it. But even without the 9-11, it's still terrible. It's still a terrible movie, but it had Robert yeah. Pattinson in it, and this was peak exactly. Twilight. So the movie American Pie 2 that they watched in this movie yeah. did a little bit better in 2001. It made... $286.5 million. Yeah. Little fun fact there about American Pie 2, which is a much better movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I would so much rather watch American <laughs> Pie 2. Yeah. I don't even like American Pie all that much, but I would Me I either. would rather watch that. I would shotgun all 12 or however many of those things they made rather than watch this. <laughs> yeah, <thing>. oh, 100%. <laughs> well, this week, Mikey made us watch <laughs> Remember Me. Welcome to my horror. <laughs> And next week, I'm going to make you guys watch The Proposal. All right. Oh, yeah. With uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I thought after watching this movie, Remember Me, that we needed something light and funny. <laughs> so I, I went with The Proposal. And I, it's a movie that I remember. I've only seen it once, but I really enjoyed it. Well, I'm sorry I made you guys watch this, but now I can always reference it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So your homework for next week is to get wine drunk and watch the Ryan Reynolds Sandra Bullock vehicle, The Proposal. All right. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No. All right. Well, while you look up a review, let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast. And that is simply to leave us a five star text review. It literally is that easy. And Mikey will read it like he's about to with this one. Mikey, do you have a review for us? Uh, I'm going to read this one. Uh, is this how I meet my husband? Question mark. <laughs> That's perfect. From Kitty H. All right, let's do this, Kitty H. <laughs> this podcast is becoming a problem for me because it's making my crush on Mikey <laughs> spiral out of control. Oh, Uh-oh. no. <laughs> I cannot get out. I cannot. Get- do you want to be left at the altar, ladies? <laughs> Mikey is single. Uh-oh. I cannot get over how funny <laughs> him, Paige, and Todd are. Helping us through the hard realization that a lot of our favorite early 2000 rom-coms are incredibly problematic. <laughs> Love you. Or just rom-coms in general. <laughs> Love you guys. Keep doing you. Well, thank you so much, Kitty H, for that awesome, awesome review. We appreciate it. And if you want to have your review run on the podcast, leave us a five-star review. 
And Paige and I will sing a duet at yours and Mikey's wedding. Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to have to check my schedule, but okay. <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us to completion. <laughs> Bye. Toodle pip. Laters, babies. 9 11. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> Oh, God.